Welcome to the Think Theism Podcast. Welcome to uh, Rasher Christie. Rasher Christie is the Student Apologetics Alliance here at Texas A&M. Uh, we're a group of uh, Christians and non-Christians that come together and think about uh, the important issues of uh, life's most pressing questions, such as the existence of God, uh, the coherence of theism, um, the historicity of Jesus Christ, things of those nature. Tonight we have a guest speaker, Dr. Mark Irsani, who is the Robert M. Kennedy Professor of Electrical Engineering right here at Texas A&M. He does a lot of very interesting research, and I would advise you to go uh, look at his uh, research profile on the electrical engineering uh, profile or uh, electrical engineering uh, department page. Among many other things, he's led several international conferences, and he has served on the governing bodies of the IEEE Power Electronics Society, Industry Application Society, and the Vehicular Technology Society. He's also served as the founder, chairman, and member of several technical committees and conferences in those various societies. He is a Life Fellow of IEEE, a Fellow of SAE, a distinguished speaker of several IEEE societies, and a registered professional engineer in the state of Texas. Uh, tonight he will be talking to us about Here Am I. So if you'll please welcome Dr. Asani. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, after a long day's work, uh, if I were you, I would be in front of TV. Uh, watching the most important thing that is coming down from the East Coast or something. But uh, I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate the, uh, the trouble that you've gone through. And uh, uh, I hope that uh, uh, this talk will inspire you. It's a very simple-minded talk. It's extremely simple. Um, most of you are probably very uh, uh, knowledgeable about things like science and religion and beliefs. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the type of stuff that children understand. So they are uh, extremely simple. This is a series of talks I've given all over the uh, world and North America and several universities and communities. Uh, this is the second talk. The first one is the station of man in the universe. Uh, one of these about ego, uh, not the benign ego like professors have, but the type of ego that blinds the eyes to the truth and makes one desire things uh, and so on. And then there is one about meditation. Again, this is not your father's meditation. This is, uh, this is a, uh, what, not what you get from meditation, but you, what you bring to meditation. Currently, I'm working on a series of talks on the ascent of man because uh, as I'm reading and, and thinking about these things, I'm beginning to realize more and more, and most of you probably know this very well, that man has gone through several stages of a religious experience from archaic natural religions like the American Indians and the primitive uh, people in other places, Amazon and so on. Uh, to magical religions, mythical religions, religions full of stories and things that are supernatural, require miracles and these things in order to prove their truths. And now we're at, the, at a quantum leap in the past, uh, since the rational age, the, the, the scientific revolution, and we, we are, we'd like our rational thinking to be combined with our spiritual feelings uh, and, and experiences. And I think we're in, in a state of transition to an, what might be called an integral age, where there's no dichotomy between the physical and spiritual. There's no here and there. All of everything is sacred, and we are part of a continuum of a sacred experience. We're all on a journey uh, to that, and there's a lot to be said about that. But today's talk is about now. Uh, and that's why it's so, uh, it's so uh, uh, you know, maybe may unfamiliar with some of you. It's something that a child would easily understand. If you look at the eyes of a child, a two-year-old child, they're in a continuous state of discovery. Everything is new to them. They are impressed and amazed by everything because they have no presumptions. They don't have theories in the head. They don't have belief systems. They don't have knowledge that they're trying to validate, verify, interpret things with. Everything is new and everything is education. Unfortunately, if, uh, but, but you know, the, the innocence of a child and that state of purity 
is like innocence of the angels. It's uh, they have no choice. You know, there is no credit to that. This they are that way. But when a man, a human being, a man or woman, goes through stages of being a human being, experiencing sufferings, experiencing disappointments, and and and, uh, uh, and, and gaining knowledge and all those things, and then giving it all up for the sake of search of truth. Now that's beyond angelic. That is truly uh, a state that uh, uh, some among us achieve. Uh, but as human beings, as mature adult human beings, with all these theories and beliefs and religions in our heads, if we get to the point of that innocence, then a transformation has taken place in us. A transformation toward enlightenment, toward consciousness, toward seeing things objectively, seeing no dichotomy. There is, you know, seeing thy neighbor as thyself, as thyself, not like thyself, but as thyself, seeing the oneness, the two being part of one. Loving the other is the loving of self, and in fact, the two of us are immersed in something called love. It's not a love that I will, that I create, that I bestow, that I can withhold, being immersed in love. Someone said, uh, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Uh, it, it's not about children going to the uh, kingdom of God. It's about us turning, transformation. I saw half a dozen, a dozen translations of this. You're familiar with that. You know, Some of it is translated as convert. I can see the self-serving purpose of that, you know, become like us, believe like us, but no, this is, this is uh, Christ is, uh, I think, uh, reaching for something much deeper than that. So, being present, the experience of I am, what does that mean? How profound can that be? Okay, I'm going to talk to you about I am. Well, <laughs> let's do a little bit of historical uh, review. As you know, these two words have very long history in religious uh, uh, history and narratives. For example, a man walked up to my, my, uh, Mount Sinai for some curious reason, and he sees a burning bush, and, uh, and the burning bush calls unto him, and he says, here am I. Of course, he didn't say it in English. This is probably a terrible translation, because I think the way he said it it's not the way I think. It's, this is the way the story makes sense spiritually. It's surrendering to the presence, coming with no presumptions, assumptions, questions, uh, theories, no ambitions to achieve, to be empowered, to be spiritualized, no demands whatsoever, just surrendering to, to that presence. So these are code words being exchanged between the lover and the beloved. And then Moses dares to ask, and may I ask who you are? <laughs> and the answer that he hears is, I am that I am. The essence of being. So the lover surrenders. And the beloved says, you are present in the presence of being. The essence of being. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, so, and then Christ said, you know, the, the, the quotes that are, are directly attributed to Christ, at least for me, have a particular light that shines through them. It's very inspiring. Uh, it's beyond words what it does. Even though it's distorted by translation. Because translation uh, is not a science. It's an art. And necessarily, in it gets diluted the level of understanding of the translator. So it's been terribly distorted. Uh, forget the Aramaic. Presumably he said it in Aramaic, and I, I, I used to memorize that uh, phrase in Aramaic. Does anybody know the Aramaic uh, phrase, I am? He repeated that two times in, in, in one uh, occasion. But you know, look at this. It says, before Abraham was, I am. This is grammatically incorrect. <laughs> it should be before Abraham was, I, I was, or I were. 
uh, surely that's not the case here. I mean, the, the fact that this paradox survived 2,000 years of translational uh, distortion is remarkable. If Abraham was an event in time, a human being that was born and lived and did some things and died, I am is before, during, after, and outside of time. This I am is not time-based. It doesn't peg itself to any date. This is a signal for those who uh, are ready for that, receiving that message. This phrase coming out of the mouth of anybody on this planet from since the beginning of humanity is enough signal for the listener or to, for the reader to know that he's in the presence of an inspired person, a man who became God. Something like that. Excuse all my paraphrasings, but you get the idea. Another spiritual teacher by the name of Baha'u'llah said, O son of man, the temple of being is my throne. Cleanse it of all things, that there I may be established and there I may abide. The key word is the temple of being. The temple of being. Not heaven, not where your fathers were. This is the temple of the beloved. And cleansing it of what? Cleansing it of expectations, theories, knowledge, ambition, empowerment, let alone desires of self-satisfaction. There's nothing wrong with these things. It's just it doesn't rise to the level of I am. As you know, in Hinduism, there is a, a mantra, all, all speaking the same language at that level, language without uh, uh, syllables and, 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 uh, and uh, words and sounds. Oh, this was explained to us like this in India. All is all of being with mouth open and arms stretched. Um is the inner being. And the two in one continuous sound is acknowledging or suggesting to oneself to become one with reality, to become what one with being. To me, that light that I showed you shining through that short phrase of Christ shines through this om, just om. You know, it's, it's kind of like the password between lovers. They get it when, when, when they hear these signs because they are totally meaningless with ordinary conception and, and perception. Uh, I'm going to, time is short, I was going to give you a, a, a quick tour of theory of relativity. Uh, uh, to, uh, <laughs> And uh, Michael said, uh-oh, you already lost, because if your philosophy and belief depends on science, you are limping, my friend, before you enter the room. And I wrote back to him, I said, yes, I'm going to talk about something much more profound than science. That is being, the depth of being. One of its fruits are science, which inherently are, are, is, is artificial, transient, subject to the change in time. But yet, this thing, science, is pointing to in the incomprehensible. And the moment you get to in the incomprehensible, because science is supposed to be rational. I mean, that, it, this is the, uh, the scientific revolution. This is the age of r reason and, re and being rational. And unlike the Greek rationalism, these things actually bear fruits. And they can be ex experimentally, empirically verified. So we have plenty of reason to think, this is it. And yet, it's not it. It is man's perception of something un incomprehensible in which we are immersed. And the only way to talk about it is I am. Uh, there's another word for it. Uh, Arising to the level of wonderment. Becoming that child. Wonderment. Full of knowledge, full of power, full of experience, and yet totally naked. I know not. 
Anyway, so I'm not going to do science to you. This is called Lorenz's equation. Shows that uh, uh, basically the concept of time not only is it meaningless from Christ's point of view, before my, uh, Abraham was, I am. What happened to time? What happened to the era of time? What's backward? What's forward? Which what's the direction? But even science has found that uh, uh, time is a is a rubber band. <laughs> you can stretch it. You can squeeze it. I can go into your future and meet you there and shake hands with you. Uh, you might actually some things go in the past. Uh, so the, the idea of so time itself is not very meaningful for anything. However, there is another phenomenon called the present. The present. The present has no length, no dimensions. It has. It, it doesn't take any time at all. Now some physicists I recently read a book says the present is the tip of is the leading edge of time. It creates time. You can think of it that way. I'd rather not think of it that way. I think there are two things. There's time, which is measured by clock, which is very elastic, and therefore really you cannot you cannot say. So for me, I cannot say that. My salvation is in the future. That after I die, I go to heaven. That something, somehow, time will do something for me. Because that time could be very long or very short, and I can actually manipulate it by some techniques called getting in a rocket and going fast. Uh, so you know, it's time doesn't mean, but but the present. Uh, is where reality resides, and it has zero dimensions. It's 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 an instant shorter than zero. It's just it's present. Now, so what we're talking about is let's differentiate between time and the present. So what? Okay, I'm present. So what? Uh, well, okay. So I'm going to bypass these things because time is short. Uh, if one is in the present, one is. Uh, basically conscious of now only, just like a child, like a cat. Except the cat's uh, consciousness is very different from, from man's. Man's consciousness in some ways is very special. Uh, uh, for the same reason that we can suffer so deeply and in so many different ways that animals cannot suffer. That's our burden. The burden of our psyche, the burden of our intellect, the burden of how we can influence each other. Can you imagine somebody is uh, living in some white house in Washington and, and there are people all over this subcontinent that suffer because of electronic signals that supposedly bring his needs, uh, uh, um, his thought processes to your brain. We get angry, we get excited. Only humans are capable of this much suffering. That's the vain, uh, the, the vain world in which we live. Uh, So, uh, actually, uh, so uh, I'm going to bypass science because there's not time. I asked for three hours. He gave me 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if this goes well, maybe you know, depending on the you know the intensity of tomatoes and, and the eggs, uh, maybe I'll come back and we'll talk about it. Uh, that's why I brought the hard Oh, that's why. Yeah, you brought two of them too. That's a true friend. One for me, one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so let me uh, approach the problem or the question today from psychological point of view. Psychological point of view, very personal. What is the most profound thing about you, individually? Think about it. What is? What is the most precious thing, the most indestructible thing, the most meaningful, valuable thing about you? Is it our wealth, power, education, accomplishments? Is it the, you know, my lifespan or my friends, affiliations, loved ones? All of these can be lost. All of these can be lost. 
even your education and your degrees and your knowledge can be lost because you can find yourself in a place where your knowledge is meaningless. <laughs> you know, I'm an immigrant. I came to this country with tremendous lineage and familial pride and generations of great accomplishments and you walk with all that you know, stuff. And in this country, I was a dishwasher. You know, so it, it's, it's a very amazing awakening. I want to talk about that. Uh, so what happens when, when all these things are taken away? You know, we lose it all, including life itself. It's called death. And there are experiences just before death that some people go through. But then there are other people that are stripped of everything, everything, before their natural death, before their biological death, they lose inf including their freedom, their honor, and their self-image. They can be humiliated to the point, thrown into a prison, especially if there are decent scholars, human beings, servants of humanity, great you know, fathers and mothers and so on. They're thrown in the corner of a cell, treated like an animal. I'm not talking abstraction. There are Baha'is in Iran that are actually experiencing that. And if you call them, they answer with a smile. And with a pleasant greeting, you think they're sitting in a cafe and sipping champagne, <laughs> even though they don't drink at all. Um, So, uh, people that go through, where am I? Uh, people that uh, experience these catastrophes, uh, they come out two ways. Either they come out extremely bitter, they basically lose their sense of self to the point where they jump out of, jump out of a window. We had a guy recently in, in Wall Street, <laughs> I have heard about this since the Great Depression. He just jumped, a young person, our, sorry, not our age, your age. <laughs> I forgot I'm not your age anymore. <laughs> yeah, I look in your eyes, I see myself, that's terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little older. Um, or maybe it's good. We're talking about there's no time, right? So. <laughs> um, he lost uh, his money, I can't remember to what event, having to do with uh, Bernie Madoff as well. Young fellow with children, wife. Oh, that was a long time ago. No, this is two weeks ago. This guy uh, checks into a room, leaves his uh, whatever uh, uh, Rolls Royce at home, and jumps out a window of a, thir a third floor of it. Of it. So that's one way when you lose. He didn't lose everything. <laughs> he lost just what he thought was important in his life, money. I mean, to us, that looks pretty ridiculous. But, but uh, you, you could lose so much, your honor, your dignity, your stature, this, your children, your parents, your, your loved ones. Uh, so some people go crazy. And yet there are others, this is well established in, in narratives, I've seen it with my own eyes, I have experienced it. When you lose so much that that which hurts is also destroyed, you no longer hurt. There's just nothing left. It's kind of like a colossal uh, skin burn. <laughs> you know, the, the, the burn is bad enough. You don't feel the burning anymore because the sensors are burned. At that moment, they go through a sense of liberation. The very passion is gone. And they open their eyes. And what is left? Uh, by the way, this is a, a saying from, from Baha'u'llah about these calamities. We either see the light that shines through calamities in our lives, or we pray that it be taken away. Uh, but Baha'u'llah says, my calamity is my providence. Outwardly it is fire and vengeance, and, but inwardly it is light and mercy. Hasten there, there too, that thou mayest become an eternal light and an immoral, immortal uh, spirit. This is my command unto thee, O thou that observe it. Don't run away from your suffering. 
don't avoid your 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 pains do not try to tranquilize it by reducing yourself to the to the vegetable level with alcohol and tranquilizers you know why alcohol is so prevalent in this culture because people cannot feel happy until they give up their intelligence they have to become light all of their consciousness is engaged in pain and you have to the more you reduce yourself to the vegetable level the more you think you're happy and yet as Christ said and I'm paraphrasing intentional suffering to will our suffering to surrender to our calamities surrender this is a different kind of a surrender this is not passivity this is giving up the desire for otherwise you know who's the most dangerous soldier one who doesn't fear death he will emerge victorious he's extremely potent the soldier that fears death will be killed in the battlefield <laughs> because he's irrational in the real sense of consciousness. So what happens if you lose everything? You can still say, I'm here. I'm here. So what's the big deal? I'm here. That's it. You lost your house. You lost your family. You lost your honor. You lost your education. You lost your tenure. Excuse me. I didn't mean to be insulted. <laughs> <laughs> And all you can say is, I'm here? Yes. I am. It sounds very superficial, very shallow, very meaningless. And that's because we have not become sensitized to the profoundness of now, of the present. The one and only eternal reality. Uh, I happen to have a lot more quotes from Baha'u'llah, but this is abundant in the teachings of Christ and many other spiritual uh, teachers, divine teachers. Uh, who's a good reader? I'm a terrible reader, and I mess things up. Oh, please. A son of worldliness, pleasant is the realm of being, were thou to attain thereto. Glorious is the domain of eternity. Shouldest thou pass beyond the world of mortality, sweet is the holy ecstasy. If thou drinkest of the mystic chalice from the hands of the celestial youth, shouldest thou attain this station, thou wouldest be freed from destruction and death, from toil and sin. It's very loaded. It's very loaded. But uh, there are a few key words I want to highlight about this. Pleasant is the realm of being. <coughs> Uh, holy ecstasy if thou drinkest uh, the mystic chalice from the hands of the celestial youth do you remember a youth that's sent around the room in the last supper breaking the bread sharing the wine this is my blood this is the you know salvation this is the way to eternity what do you think they were talking about they were being present with the very shining light that was inspiring to be present. Something happened there. They were they become they became eternalized because they stepped out of time. They stepped out of clock time. And they they emerged in the eternal present. Where time does not change it breaking the bread, the chalice of wine, from the youth, no less. Uh, being present, being conscious, stepping out of time, and therefore entering the realm of ancient eternity, without waiting, can happen in a second. Or never. Depends on how much burden we carry up here. How much belief, how much expectation, how much knowledge. Uh, Zach said, I'm going to use him as a whipping boy because he's oh. my. <laughs> uh, I can't remember what the context was, but he said uh, something about the proof of God. Uh, 
Didn't you say that? Anyway, you know, it's a big deal in religion. But proof of God, proof of God. Now, is it going to be a philosophical proof, logical proof, or scientific proof? Now, suppose I love my wife. And if I go home and say, today I'm going to prove to you scientifically that I love you. How shallow is that? If I succeed, how much have I failed? Or philosophically, or logically. Uh, things that are so if there is a beloved it's so self-manifest and latent in, the, in us is that faculty to actually uh, know to experience to be immersed in to be in the presence of and know very well that we are and if somebody says give me a proof really the only thing you can say is I'm speechless. I can't do it. So uh, everything that is real beyond work is beyond words. It's beyond proof. Proof is an instrument of the intellect. Intellect is limited to the, to the mind of man. And the mind of man cannot even comprehend how the radi radioactive material uh, uh, decomposes. Because uh, uh, it both decomposes and doesn't decompose. And uh, depending on you, you will see it either as decomposing or not decomposing. There's a call, something called Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's cat, you can Google it, about a cat under certain conditions in a box is both alive and dead at the same time. It's not that you don't know it, it's actually both alive and dead at the same time. And by you observing, it appears to you as in one of those two states. And having said that, you can't go back and say, okay, so the cat was dead. No, it was actually alive. So th th the mind is so limited, we're, we're totally lost. I mean, uh, from the knowing everything about the present, not only you cannot know anything about the future, you cannot even know the past, because there are many, many different uh, pasts that, could, uh, that, that are, that are uh, uh, the result uh, resulting in this <coughs> present. Uh, so the, the past, uh, the mind is just so numb and so so impotent about everything. Uh, so, th you know, what it takes is, uh, is, is uh, acquiring all this knowledge, becoming a good boy and a good girl and doing the right things and, you know, using deodorant and taking showers and never lying and never stealing and never feeling pious about it. Never expecting to go to heaven. <laughs> Honestly, I wasn't going to say this. But if things are the way some religions say they are, and I die, and I go to the pearly gates, and God says, Mark, come in. You've done well. That talk you gave at uh, Ratio Christie was so good that I am going to let you enter heaven. I will respectfully refuse. Why? I would not soil that intention with reward. I do it for the love of the beloved. If there was a reward, I would refuse to do it. How is that? Uh, So if we are become so so given learning all these things, becoming good, and then <coughs> expecting nothing in return, yielding, sur surrendering our knowledge, everything. If we can become that pure, that conscious of the present, stepping out of time and becoming eternal in this biological window of time that is allotted to us, it no longer matters if I'm good looking or if I'm ugly, if I'm short, if I'm rich or, or, or this or that whether I, I celebrate with uh, caviar in, a, in my mansion or break bread humbly, like in the Last Supper. It doesn't matter. It's, it is celebrating, getting it, getting the present. Uh, you know, uh, do we have free will or don't? This is a big deal for, 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 for Christians and many other you know, people of, of serious uh, intent. Uh, 
I, I, but I always reduce it to some silly things, you know, uh, uh, like free will of this, that, the other. But to me, uh, the only free will that matters is I was born innocent. I acquired all these uh, burdens of theories and beliefs and, 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 uh, and knowledge and perspectives and desires and so on and so forth. And, and I have a choice to give it all up and go back to being conscious, pure conscious, like a child. That is the free will that matters to me. The free will about uh, other things, what does it matter? It's a logical game of philosophers up here. Any philosophy majors? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully you will not catch me in the alley back there. <laughs> Uh, but, but this idea, so, uh, you know, yes, we do have a free will to surrender. We have a free will to step into this consciousness. How am I doing? How much time do I have? About five minutes. Oh, this is fantastic. Uh, <coughs> you know, what I'm saying, in a way, is being conscious and being present is like becoming aware of a of a calm surface of a pond. What's happening? Absolutely nothing. Yet it, it is the realm of all the possibilities. Any kind of wave, any kind of event. Ripples on the pond are interesting. Shimmers and glitter and all that. But those not only are transient, however glamorous they may be, they are made possible by that nothingness of, of, of waveless surface. All music emerges from silence. All possibilities come from a quiet place, a realm of all possibilities. To grasp one possibility or chase it or go after it is bound to lead to frustration and failure. But to, to work in an inspired way, one can see so many possibilities that the obvious ones may be the worst ones. Uh, so, it's possible for us to become divine. It's possible for us to become eternal. It's possible for us to step into the kingdom of heaven and be with the beloved. Right here, right now, because it has nothing to do with my physique or my biological time window. Which, by the way, <laughs> can be squeezed and stretched uh, by relativistic effects. You could meet your twin brother at the age of 85 while you're 23. Time has nothing to do with it. In that state, you step out of happiness and unhappiness, this dichotomy. They, all the opposites will become trivial. They become, they become the, 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 the walls of the prison of self. There's a state of joy. Joy in pain. Joy in loss. Joy in deprivation. And joy in happiness and victory and... and, 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 and uh, and, and prevailing and succeeding. In both cases, joy. Why? It's the type of joy, to, to really reduce it to an example, that you get by going to a very uh, deep uh, uh, drama movie, a tragedy movie. And, they, uh, and the, so the plot and the story and the actors and the, uh, and the director can really bring you down to tears. You are You paid money, you go to the movie and you cry. And you come out and feel so good about it. In fact, when you're crying, you feel good. What's going on? You get it. You get the game. That the crying is just as profound as laughing. That state of, uh, of uh, becoming an actor on the stage of our own lives. You know, an actor knows the entire plot. And yet, what does he or she do? Concentrates on the moment to play that act 
just perfectly. You know, you, you know everything, therefore you do this right. You are present. Actors that mess up are thinking about their next line. <laughs> so it's coming out of their mouths in a machine-like uh, 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 robot, you see. Uh, anchored in here and now. These are the signs of this state of consciousness and presence. Uh, a sense of timelessness and eternity. Stepping out of self and stepping out of time. You'd say, is that possible? Yes, it's possible. Here and now, among us, there are people that are there. And all over this country. And all over the world. And in the corners of prisons. And in mansions. Uh, There's one of them, actually. Uh, this lady that was recently uh, 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 freed from house arrest uh, in one of those southeast countries. Well, I forget what the Fiji? No, it's uh, oh, Burma. Burma. You know, one question, one silly question. You listen to the answer, you get it. And they said, the interviewer asked, can you forgive these people that put you in house arrest for 20 years and humiliated you? What's, what's, what's the right answer? Yes, I forgive. She said, it is not for me to forgive or not to forgive. It is not for me. There's a signal there. I don't have time to go into that. That's profound. Not taking that position of artificial spiritual superiority and then expecting reward for it. Uh, people in a state of enlightenment are practical. Not fighting the sky. Practical. Efficient. Effective. Creative. Intelligent. Not smart. Intelligent. Einstein was not smart. He couldn't do his tax return. I just did mine. <laughs> he couldn't figure it out. But he was intelligent. He had perception. And when he did these breakthroughs, he didn't, he didn't say, <coughs> I did it. He said, how did this happen to me? What is it in me can do? Can do? He said a lot of things. He said, how is it that the universe is comprehensible? that it fits between the two ears of a human being. How is that possible? That's wonderment. That is a state of consciousness. Uh, a clear view of reality, for example, knowing the difference between possible and impossible. You know that uh, prayer uh, by one of the Christian saints, which is actually much older than that, uh, oh Lord, uh, help me to do the things that I can do and not do the things that I cannot do. And most importantly, know the difference between the two. Knowing the difference comes from being firmly planted in the present, in the eternal. Uh, what keeps me from, what keeps us from, from being in this state of perpetual ecstasy? Going through the fire without burning. Uh, never being harmed. It's this ego, which, if you pay me, I'll talk about it next time. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have two or three quotes from Krishna and, and uh, Buddha and, and uh, Christian sayings, and we'll end. Since you're a uh, philosopher, you should read it. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Know thou that nature and the spirit both have no beginning. Never the spirit was born, the spirit shall cease to be never. Never was time, it was not. End and beginning are dreams. Birthless and deathless and changeless remaineth the spirit forever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know the spirit whom the lovers of Brahman call eternal. Beyond the birth and rebirth of life is beyond the tree of life and time and things seen by mortal eyes. Know that he is in the inmost of thy soul and that he is the home of thy immortality. I go for refuge to God who is one in the silence of eternity, pure radiance of beauty and perfection in whom we find our peace. I don't have time to obviously massage this, but you, you see, the, uh, you see the, the light that shines through these things. It's the same, same man, different faces, different times. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, 
but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Things that are seen, the ripples. Things that are unseen, when there is no ripple. Nothingness, which is the realm of all possibilities. The most beautiful eternal music is silence, which great musicians borrow cleverly. It's the silence between the notes that brings out the meaning of the notes. Mm -hmm. Silence gives notes meaning. Otherwise, it's cacophony, one sound after another. The moon, from its first appearance to full moon, is in a state of appearing, from its fullness to its disappearance. It is in a state of disappearing. It is just the same with the life of a man. From babyhood to manhood, he is growing up. From manhood to old age, he is failing. What does this signify? It means that it is only the spirit of man that shares the longevity of heaven and earth. To have attained Tauhood is to become unified with eternity. One can never die even with the decay of his body. You see, there's no future in here. This is not salvation after death. This is not after any condition. Right here, right now. Thank you very much. All right, uh, so now we're going to transition to uh, a little bit of dialogue and Q&A. So this is uh, Dr. Michael Green. Um, uh, if you want to introduce yourself, say a few words. Sure. I, I, I'm, I'm Michael Green. I'm an associate professor in chemical engineering. I'm the faculty advisor for Rossio Christi. One thing we thought that would be helpful would, would be um, for, for Dr. Asani, after his presentation, to, to have a dialogue and kind of ask some big picture questions to make sure that, that people from different faith backgrounds are... are um, are speaking each other's language and, and, and communicating effectively about what these about these big picture kind of questions, and so that was our our, our, our intent. We're, we're a little short on time, um, however, we don't know who the group we don't know who the group is. It's going to kick us out, and so until I see them, I'll, I'll try to. <laughs> if I don't see them, they don't exist. You know, so 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 I, and then um, I have a, I have a few questions I've kind of prepared to get us kicked off, but the the goal would be that um, we can pick maybe then at that point uh, turn it over to the audience for a few questions as well. So that's what we'd like to do. Um, so one one thing I appreciated about your presentation, I saw that that you emphasized um, kind of points of continuity across several different religions. You know, quoting from from uh, the, the the Christian scriptures, from the Bhagavad Gita, uh, the Upanishad, you know, and and from Baha'u'llah, right? And um, this connection between different religions. I think in the emails that we exchanged. There was a particular illustration you referred to more than once, uh, the elephant illustration. Yeah. I, I think I know what you're referring to, but can you... Do you, you want kind of, me to talk sure, about the elephant? Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know you, so I, 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 I tried to be funny. I said, you know, uh, because you said there are some atheists in the room. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I said, okay, atheists uh, and, and, uh, and, uh, and then God-worshipping people and then different brands of God-worshipping people. They are both at the uh, right and wrong at the same time, because they are really looking at the same elephant from different angles. But their field of view is narrow at the level of self and assumptions and what they're taught. And so uh, uh, they disagree. This one says, "Why well, look at this creature. It's got a tail hanging from its head too." <laughs> and, and they say, "Well, no, well, no I, that's not true. This actually has five legs." You know, and so on and so forth, and uh, and uh, the fact that they take a position means that they are searching some sort of a inner meaning, uh, and that's respectable. And the fact that they disagree with each other uh, is because they are discovering their and each other's uh, superficiality of assumptions, rather than becoming like a child. Uh, uh, you know, I sometimes uh, I say to my atheist friends that the God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Mm -hmm. A God that has the attributes of a very good man, <laughs> kind and generous, and but also remembers faults and, 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 and takes revenge. <laughs> uh, and 
On, on the side, uh, he's also responsible for the death of innocent children in the bosom of their mothers. And at the same time, he listens to prayers and, and uh, you know, gets us out of trouble, except sometimes he doesn't, he, and so on and so forth. So where is this coming from? Of course an atheist could not believe this. Uh, because that which fits into your language, into your perception, and has the characteristics of man is anthropomorphic. It is, we project, it's kind of like seeing a face on the moon. <laughs> I bet you dogs don't see a dog face on the moon, only people see a woman's face on the moon. You know, we, we project our own image onto everything. We used to think that the, uh, the entire universe rotated around uh, the earth because this was so important. Uh, because Christ was here or whatever, you know, truth is here, a man is here, and so on and so forth. Then we realized we're not that important. And yet we're very important, you know, because hmm. we discovered this. So, yeah, this idea of... Uh, um, you know, it's already a great advancement if we realize that we are all on the same side of the question. Search for, for truth and search for salvation. Hmm. So if I understand correctly, it's, it's almost like different religions are coming from different perspectives, but they only see a part. That's the elephant illustration, right? One part sees N this I, part, and yeah, that, but, but they, yeah. they, they don't, no one has individuals. The individuals. Religions, sure. religions are nothing sure. but script. Right. <laughs> on a piece of paper. But no it's, one sees the whole. Is that right? Um, well, I don't know. The reason I find it confusing is for yeah. us to say, this is the situation. It's, there's elephant. We only see, we all see from our own specific angles. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as we say, this is the situation, none of these little angles are the whole picture. The whole picture is that it's an elephant. In order for us to say that that is the situation, presumes that we ourselves do see the whole ah, situation. Very good question. Right? You bet. This was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Right there. I mean, you, you, you so just, does that come you from just made it my worth uh, worth right. my while. So does that come from revelation? No. Well, let me let me say this. There are truths in being that are so self-manifest that every human being can perceive hmm. without teaching, without religion, without education, without uh, training, without uh, uh, fear of punishment and reward. Hmm. Uh, I'll give you some very ordinary examples. We're all capable of, uh, of perceiving love. We perceive the love of our parents. We perceive the love of our children, our mate, and what have you. Is that comprehensible? What, what kind of an elephant is this? You can, uh, uh, you can know it, but you cannot comprehend it. So uh, to call it an elephant is trying to name it and v visualize it and comprehend it. Being in the presence of the elephant is something that is undeniable. Being, being in, in the presence of, and this is this idea of being, you know. So uh, uh, talking about it is an intellectual game limited mm -hmm. to words, which itself is limited to five vowels and a few pressure uh, things. And that totally super... You know, it's beyond words. It's beyond thinking. Uh, however, it can be communicated from heart to heart, just like love. There are profound. The most profound things in our human experience are beyond uh, comprehension, but they are verifiably uh, knowable. Did I confuse you enough? But this is yeah. what I mean. It's uh, that elephant I mean, I guess is the, a cartoon. The, the difficulty is when we say something like. Oh, this this truth is is beyond words. Yeah, it's not comprehensible for us to say that that is true. We used words, and we basically said that we comprehended this this truth about it. Like, no, how do, no, where, no. where do those things yeah, come yeah, from? But, uh, where, where do those truths come from? I guess is what I mean. Is that from Revelation? No, it it, okay. it is. Uh, look, the fact that I can embrace Christ is because Christ and I have something in common. Hmm. It is the capacity to recognize the light. He shines and I receive. If I couldn't receive, he, he would be, uh, it would be meaningless to even shine if he did shine. Right. So, the, you know, the, the, the lover and the beloved are, are um, entrusted or imbued or, 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 or blessed with a capacity to simply recognize each other. 
that's beyond words. We can talk about it, and of course, I wasted your time talking no, 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 today. No. Yeah. But and the reason I did that is, what can I do? What can I do? You know, so one, uh, one of the one we, of the we talk about love, but we're really flirting with love because love is felt, and we just put it in the music of words. I see. Um, one of the, I mean, one of the characteristics of of the Baha'i faith is the unity of all all religions. You know, you have there, if I'm understanding correctly. But the, are there any, uh, I guess, religions or prophets or teachers that that you feel like, oh, actually, you know, um, L. Ron Hubbard, that's a false prophet. He's actually teaching something false for his own gain. Like, do you ever find yourself saying, yes, unity, but that over there is a sham? Um. Well, I mean, they're clearly, they're, they're, it is possible to imagine somebody is a charlatan. I right, mean, that's, that's is, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and somebody, uh, you know it because, for yeah, example, yeah. they give you a Kool Aid to drink, right? And <laughs> then sure. you feel very <laughs> sleepy. Okay, <laughs> and then they tell yeah. you, yeah, give right. it to your children too. Right. And if you don't, there's a guy behind you that makes sure you drink it. So there's still a kind of a line. There's still a line but, but, of but like charlatans over here, and then truth. Here. No, no, but uh, those those are self evident. But what I'm trying to say is. Uh, um, Going down the wrong alley mm -hmm. is still search, this innate desire to search for truth. Mm -hmm. And done sincerely will lead to the right way. How, so, do, we, how do we know that? How I mean, do we it know seems about like it, it ourselves seems, or about no, others? It seems like going the wrong way sincerely seems wrong. Believing in the charlatan sincerely can lead to all no, kinds of... No, no belief. Perfect. No, no yeah. I, 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 I don't believe in beliefs. <laughs> Uh, beliefs, you know, they're, 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 okay, let me lo be logical with you since mm. you, uh, you, you're a professor and you want to mm. be logical. Uh, um, uh, belief comes around when things cannot be verified. Belief is the, uh, the, the, the good side of doubt, you know. Kind of like trust? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's something beyond trust because mm. you see, trust has an opposite. I either trust you or I don't trust you. Right. And by the way, I bestow that. Right, 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 right. You, you, you're the same person, but right. I trust you. Now right. you're trustworthy. Hmm. I don't trust you. Uh, uh, so things that have opposites and I'm the determiner are, 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 are useless. Okay. Uh, but, but uh, you know, uh, when, you, when you teach your child to ride a bicycle, hmm. They fall and, 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 and scratch their knee. Uh, you feel sad about it, but you don't think it's wrong because they have to fall this way and they have to fall that way. The fact that they desire to ride on two wheels is an in it kind of like walking, you know. So the, the child in this analogy is the person who's seeking after truth and maybe we're all, we're all We're all seeking after the truth, but some people f uh, look for it in the uh, tavern. Right. Other people look for it by self-deprivation and uh, uh, living in a cave. And right, right, right. All of those are worthless exercises mm. that they will eventually discover, like Siddhartha did, mm -hmm. you know, when, right. when, uh, oh, yes. when he became Buddha, you know. Uh, but it's, it's respectable. It's mm. sacred because it's this desire of finding the beloved. Okay. Uh, some of us, I don't know why, by the grace of the beloved, either find it more efficiently or more quickly, or we are simply put on a on, on a fast forward. We go through so much tragedy and pain in life, and we are stripped and and so naked that there's nothing left to protect. And through that, we get into enlightenment. And you say. What a blessing. And why did that happen to me? I don't know. Hmm. So I've, I've probably talked too much already. So before we turn into a pumpkin, I do want to give the audience a chance to ask questions. Yes, sir. So kind of the idea of you know, unity of all religions, um, we often kind of, at least I find a, a little stickler with Christianity because yeah. there's a particular verse, you know, that, that we also hold to be a very, very um, strong yeah. uh, cornerstone of the faith, which is uh, John 14, 6, where Christ, uh, you know, tells his disciples, I'm the way the truth Absolutely. and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. Exactly. And so Christianity kind of brings in this exclusivity that it's either Christianity or it's not Christianity in yeah. order to be able to come to, yeah. you know, or to the lover, I suppose, yeah. as we are the beloved. 
So how does uh, how does your faith kind of uh, rectify that with Christianity and trying to figure out uh, how to include Christianity with all the other religions and you know kind of coming to this uh, beloved in oh, love you relationship? Are so wonderful! I love these questions. Uh, you know, when Christ said the way to salvation is through me or however you put it, it is not the label. It is not the personality. It is not this man. It is that light that shines through him that is the only way. And when he says me, he's not talking about self. He's not talking about a body and an event in history 2,000 years ago. It's about, it's kind of uh, the way we teach in, in, cl in the classroom. You said, I tell you how to solve this differential equation. I tell you how to solve this. That doesn't mean me. It is the truth that I'm trying to make available to you. Listen to me. This is the only way. It's not me. It's the, it's the theory that is flowing through me. You see, And what happens is the lovers <coughs> combine the body and the name and the man and the event in history with the message. And th this is sometimes an act of love and sometimes less innocent than that. Right. It's domineering, wronging others, and being better, and a, 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 an exclusive club, and so on. But that I, let me put it very frank, that's not him speaking. That's the beloved speaking through him. And so it's not unique to Christ. It is unique to the beloved that, but Christ gets credit for having um, gone beyond self and beyond man. He has become one with the beloved and he speaks as the beloved. So in that context, what does religion matter? What, does, what do labels matter? Christianity, uh, Buddhism, Baha'ism, there's only one beloved. And she has, notice the pun, she has latent in us or, or deposited in us the capacity uh, to, to perceive. That's why we receive Christ. So, you know, this labeling and partitioning, you can do that if you love Christ and Christianity much. That's fine. But can you imagine thinking that, that uh, of seven billion people, the other five billion people somehow are wrong. And by the way, they're very happy people, and they're very successful, and they're very smart, and they live very happy lives, and they do great things for the world. What what kind of a, you know uh, 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 condemned people are these? So you see what I'm saying? It, it, it's uh, I gosh, can you imagine if the beloved actually was uh, was brand based <laughs> and and actually took strive? I only like a color purple when he actually created all the colors. <laughs> yeah. I think we have time for maybe one more question and then we'll... Did we'll I sufficiently confuse you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One more. You answered it very well. Audience question? If no one else has... You, 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 said, you said nothingness. Yeah. Why is everythingness? Because the two are the same. The two are... No, but, but nothingness is a little more potent because what it means is take self and passion out of it. Uh, I, if you invite me, I'll talk about that. Uh, at some point. It's not that I'm worthless. It's not that I should throw this away. It is have all of your passions and this, you know, Buddha said to, to get, get uh, to, to overcome suffering, you should, you, you should give up desire. I've discovered something a little different. I've discovered that have your uh, desire, have your pain, and rise to the level of beholding yourself doing this. That's nothingness. So it is everythingness, but it's nothingness because you, you, you become empty of self. Did you realize that the Dirac there is a function? Say it again? The Dirac. Dirac oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So all, the, all, all the frequencies are there. Yeah. And in zero. One sp yeah. Some is zero. Everything is there by zero. But at one time, yeah. one time in history, it will give you an infinite lifespan. Right. But what would be this infinite lifespan in your picture, if you, if you try to... Uh, absolutely. 
you're tempting me now. It is, it is a, an impulse on this spatial axis. In another domain, it's actually a horizontal line in the domain of frequency. So um, what appears like an event, like a limited thing, is because of my limited perception. Now, mathematically, we have access to different worlds, and things actually can travel from, project themselves from one, so we understand this. But when it comes to the real world, we, we don't, uh, uh, even physics has trouble understanding that physics can never understand the state of being because it cannot fit in a biological uh, uh, mega circuit like this. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Uh, so the fact that the cat is alive and dead seems ridiculous to the brain and to man who lives in the domain of time and yes and no. But if such a thing is possible, we accept and we are immersed in wonderment because I know now that I know not. And then I go forward and I make more physics and I make more theory because I'm free to do that. I no longer imagine that I have captured the truth. Physicists are still trapped in this idea of finding the truth, physical truth, rather than a few smart ones are getting it, rather than I am modeling the truth. The truth is unknowable, but I know I am in the presence of the truth. It's really remarkable that certainty is being present in the presence of, it, of the miraculous, and you can paint it any way you want to, and it's beautiful. With that, again, I think uh, we, we should all thank Dr. Asani for his speaking. Really appreciate it.